Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Let's not waste any time. We have some high-profile legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. This is pretty interesting. I'm intrigued by this. So Trump's lawyers are arguing that he has presidential immunity from the charges related to January 6th. Right? right, he's got immunity. Um, a lower court already said no, he doesn't have immunity, and so Trump's lawyers are appealing that. They're like, no, you, you know, it's going to go through the federal appeals process. Now, a guy going after Trump, special counsel Jack Smith, is begging the Supreme Court to take the case because he wants to put the pedal on the metal on a decision so they can get Trump on trial before the election. Right. The trial is in March, but it's on hold right now because of the appeals. Right? So Smith's team has asked the Supreme Court to review uh, the district judge, Chutkin's ruling, that Donald Trump is not immune. And the end game is that Jack Smith wants Donald Trump charged before the election, convicted before the election. They don't want any delays. They don't want any other lower courts getting in the way. Now, that's his wish list. We have yet to hear from the Supreme Court. It's very rare. It's unusual uh, in the legal world, from what I'm reading, to bypass the federal appeals court and just go ahead and, and having a special counsel like Jack Smith urge the Supreme Court to rule quickly on Trump's claim. Of course, he wants them to rule against his appeal, right? So he could get him on, on like you said. Uh, but it's the January 6th stuff, man. I, I swear to God, I, the Trump did not do anything wrong. He told everybody to go march peacefully. He told them to uh, go home. It was one of the last things he tweeted on Twitter before he was banned. And I don't, I just don't think uh, there's anything there. I think they should let the case be heard. But from a PR standpoint here, this is a win-win for Jack Smith. Because if the Supreme Court hears it and they're like, you know what? You're right. He doesn't have any immunity. Let's get the party started. Game on. Okay. But if the Supreme Court comes back and goes, you know what? He was the president at the time. And when you're the president, you have certain powers that others don't have. Then Jack Smith can just come out and go, the Donald Trump Supreme Court ruled in his favor. Like, oh, yeah. The PR game. The wheels are in motion here. They're going to spin this as a win no matter what. They are um, the prosecution, Jack Smith. Deranged Jack Smith! He's deranged <laughs> prosecutor! Uh, they they started talking about the U.S. versus Nixon back in 74. The Supreme Court did rule that you know, Nixon was required to turn over tape recordings during the Watergate scandal, even though he was, he was not protected by executive privilege. So if the Supreme Court takes that up, they might have to take that into consideration. And oh, by the way, this report that Jack Smith 
is reaching out to the Supreme Court and asking them to, you know, hurry it up just a little bit, comes on the heels of new numbers that show Donald Trump not only beating the brakes off of Joe Biden, but getting stronger, polling now at 51 percent from the Republicans in Iowa. He is up 35% on the second place Republican in Iowa, which is Ron DeSantis. It's going to be Trump. I mean, like you said, stranger things have happened in Iowa and after Iowa and New Hampshire, like they did with who? What, what was it, Buttigieg? Yeah, Buttigieg won the first two yeah. and then ran out of money. The and then, you know, basically everybody else in the uh, Democratic Party was voluntold to step aside <laughs> and let Joe Biden be the guy because they thought they could get him across the finish line against Trump, which... Ultimately, they did. Um, let's take a little break from all the politics. Oh, let's take a little break please. from Trump and Biden and check in with America's fight against COVID nineteen. No, no. COVID nineteen. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. There are three vaccines. Three of them. Maybe, three. maybe four. Piss off. None. Now you Two. May I don't know. We're all nervous. Because of COVID-19. So, Nige, if I asked you, like if we're playing like Password, or if you and I are contestants on the pyramid, and I said, this is the person that hates Dr. Fauci the most, who would you say? See, in politics? Uh, Rand Paul. Yes. Rand Paul. Yes. Rand Paul. I didn't even have to answer the question. You know the answer. <laughs> Rand Paul hates Dr. Fauci with the passion of a million fires. And this past weekend appearing on Fox with Maria Bartiromo, Rand Paul raised the question about the possibility of Dr. Fauci oh being boy. influenced by the CIA as COVID-19 was spreading around the world. He commissioned and edited a paper that said that absolutely this did not come from a lab. While privately, all of these same scientists were saying in all likelihood it did come from a lab. So there really was an orchestrated cover-up on this. We also now know that he was visiting the CIA in early 2020. We know that the CIA scientists, seven of them, voted six to one to say it came from the lab, and then they were reversed by superiors. We need wow. to know whether Anthony Fauci influenced the superiors or perhaps the opposite. Did the CIA influence Anthony Fauci, but we also need to know how often he was visiting and what he was there for. Our understanding is that he wasn't recorded on visitor logs, but he was appearing frequently at the CIA. You have to realize that he was not a scientist in charge of a cure for cancer. He was also in charge of a lot of bioweapons money and in charge of a lot of things that had dual use, and they won't reveal any of this to us. They had weekly meetings on dangerous dual-use research concerns and gain-of-function, and not one item of any of those meetings has been released to us despite us asking for it for over three years. Gain of function just means they were working to make the virus more deadly and more uh, um, contagious. Right. And it, it, this is, I mean, would it surprise you if the CIA was sort of involved in this? I mean, none. That That's a, that's shocking. They voted to go with the lab theory and then they were talked out of it. Does anybody, does that surprise anybody? Oh, this is the same CIA that employed current employees or former employees, 50 CIA officials signed the document saying the Russian hoax was real. Uh, the right. Hunter Biden laptop story was uh, a fake. It was Russian disinformation. Doesn't surprise me at all. Dr. Fauci is everything the Democrats claim Donald Trump is. 
right? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Dr. Trump, um, Dr. Trump, Donald <laughs> Trump is a choir boy because he's not. <laughs> let's, be, let's make that perfectly clear. And that's an understatement. But if you want to talk about liar, government corruption, Dr. Fauci checks every box. And for those Democrats that always say, Trump supporters, you're in a cult. Well, I can point one, point a finger right oh, back at boy, you. Oh, boy, the Fauci. The Fauci cultists are crazy. I mean, the signs I've seen in downtown uh, Zionsville in the village that say, uh, like, their yard signs. And some people put, like, political yard signs, like BLM. I saw one that said, thank you, Dr. Fauci. That's all it said, with a period. The branch Covidians <laughs> that worship the church of Fauci are next level cultists. Uh, we are checking in with America's fight against COVID-19. Biden's new CDC director, Mandy Cohen, not to be confused with Mindy Cohen, who is <laughs> Natalie on the Facts of Life. This is a, uh, a totally different person. This is Mandy I understand. I understand. Cohen. She's telling Americans... Uh, you might not want to put that mask away just Uh-oh. yet. Get your updated COVID and flu vaccines and your RSV vaccine if you're over 60. It's not too late to get vaccinated if you haven't already. And use additional layers of protection, like avoiding people who are sick, washing your hands, improving ventilation, and wearing a mask. Oh, there it is. Try to sneak it, it in there at the very end. Did you catch that? I mean, she's, t- she's talking about ventilation and masking at the same time. The mask does the complete opposite. I mean, we remember when they were putting up uh, uh, plastic uh, uh, partitions between uh, booths at restaurants. Checkout lanes check-out at the grocery store. They were, they were hindering circulation. They were hindering fil- filtration. And no, I, I I don't think I'm done with the mask. I'm done done with it. Have you got a flu yet? Did you get the flu vaccine yet? I have not yet? got the flu, and I have not got okay. the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, right. Mandy Cohen, though, the CDC director mm-hmm. now, claiming everybody should wear their masks yeah. again. Elon Musk, your thoughts? Go <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Doctor Evil, your thoughts? How about new? No? <laughs> and last but certainly not least. Steve Stewart, your thoughts. Take his mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. Come on. Y'all look at me like like I'm a son of a Mars when I don't wear it in the store. Don't even try to make me put it on or I'm walking out the door. Everybody, take his mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. If you want to wear a mask, go ahead. If you want to wear 13 of them, go ahead. But don't be forcing people to do these things that didn't work the first time around. Unless it's a tightly fitted N95, the masking did not work. Even then, you'd have to wear it properly for hours, and you'll only get one or two uses out of it. A uh, rough 24 hours for sports fans here in Indy. The Colts make fools out of themselves, fools out of their fans, get blown out uh, on the road in Cincy. What was it, 34-14? And then um, you flew all the way out to Vegas to watch the Pacers lose to uh, LeBron James and the Lakers. 
But man, that was fun. Okay, you had fun. That even was though, a good time. Even though they lost that 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 in season tournament, that was the final game of the NBA in season tournament. I had a miserable time yesterday, sitting on that couch <laughs> for three hours, <laughs> drinking beer by myself, watching that Colts game. The oh. defense scored as many yeah. touchdowns as the offense did. <laughs> Which is never good. Um, but here's the silver lining, right? Normally, I'm the biggest cynic in the world. Like, I'm the glass half empty guy when I'm talking about my sports teams. But the way I see the Colts right now, man, you're playing with house money, right? The preseason over under on this team was six and a half wins. And I bet the yeah. under. I didn't think they'd be in this position. So here we are. What is it? December 11th. You got four games left. And you basically control your own destiny to make the playoffs. Yeah, that usually works out great when the Colts control their own <laughs> destiny. That usually works out perfect when the Colts control their own destiny. For it's opposite team. day here. You're being the <laughs> negative, Nancy, and I'm trying to be the positive one. If the Colts can take care of business this Saturday against the Steelers, and it sounds like Mitch Trubisky is going to be their starting quarterback, they're in a good position. I didn't expect the Colts to be this far along this season. I thought they'd stink, and we'd be talking about how far did the Colts have to drop to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. So, look, bad loss yesterday, but everybody else in the division lost too. And if you can sneak into that wild card race, those teams above the Colts, they all got to play each other. We're still uh, the Colts are still in it. If the playoffs were to start today, they'd be the the, the seventh. Right? Right. And I think, if I'm looking at the standings right, they would either play Baltimore or Miami on the road. Oh, you've already beaten Baltimore on the road. Yeah, that's right. But a lot of work still to go, and it starts with taking care of business. Special Saturday game against the Steelers coming up. God, man. I got... uh... They, they flex that game to Saturday. I'm not going to be able to watch any of it. Oh, no. I got to do stuff with the family on Saturday. Pat Sullivan had to go and invent this this big train thing, Santa's train at Sullivan Hardware, 71st and Keystone. And I got to take my family to the Santa train. And then we're going to eat after that. Can't you just ditch him like you did on ice skating? <laughs> We could go Saturday. I may have <laughs> taken an Uber home from the ice skating rink in Carmel because it was so miserable. I was. I, uh, everybody else is having fun. I was miserable. Right. So, no, I don't think I can get away with that this time. So, Saturday game for the Colts. And as for the Pacers, I had a blast out there. And I got to be hey, honest. Man. I thought when I went out there, it would be like 90% Laker fans, 10% Pacers, if yeah. that, at the game. More Pacer fans than I thought. It's probably 70-30. I mean, it's a big LeBron-Lakers market, Las Vegas is. But I tell you what, man, when we were walking up to the game, like anybody that has a Pacers hoodie on or a shirt or a jersey, they're all high-fiving each other. You know, they're yelling, boom, baby, let's go. Like, there's no such thing as a bandwagon Pacer fan. Right. You know, we have no bandwagon (laughs) to jump on. So if you're wearing the gear, you're a fan. You know, half those questions. Laker fans in the crowd probably had Heat jerseys on a couple years ago. They're going to go home and put their Dallas Cowboys jerseys on, their (laughs) New York Yankees hats on, you know, but it was a fun, fun time out there. Good buzz, good atmosphere. Now, I don't want the Pacers to blow all of this mojo by laying an egg against the worst team in the league tonight. tonight. Yes, the Detroit Pistons. Pacers are at Detroit, and I think Detroit has lost like 18 or 19 in a row. They did not win a game in November. They went 0 for November. <laughs> are you, so are you betting on this tonight? I'm going to sit it out, but I'm telling you, this is the perfect spot 
for the Pistons right here. Like the Pacers are primed for a letdown, and Detroit, sooner or later, they're going to win another game, right? They're not going to lose every game moving forward. It's an eight point spread tonight. Yeah. I'm sitting this one out, okay. but it's on my radar. I'm telling you that right now. Did you? They still have they still have the guys on the sidewalk in Vegas handing out uh, little nudie mag pamphlets and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. The note cards, yeah. nudie mags, and if you've ever been to Vegas, you've seen this. Like they have vehicles that go down the street. It's like trucks, but on the back of the flatbed are these big, huge the HD TV screens. Yeah, the digital billboards. Right, and usually they're promoting either. The shows that are going on or girls to your room, hookers, things like that. (laughs) There were a few anti-Israel ones that I saw. Really? Swear to God. That's annoying. Like, what a buzzkill for Vegas, right? No kidding. Most of the people there, you're in Vegas, you're there to drink and get rowdy and take advantage of local legal weed and call the call girls and the hookers. (laughs) The last thing you want to see is a political message about Israel going down Las Vegas Boulevard. And a negative one at that. (laughs) Right. A hundred percent. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Jason Hammer is here, also live in studio with us. The Gun Guy, Guy Ralford, host of The Gun Guy Show. Saturday is here on 93 WIBC. He is a Second Amendment attorney and licensed firearms instructor. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest and PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. What's on your radar, man? Where do you want to start first here? What's this? Chicago blaming Indiana for the guns again? Well, they always have been. And, uh, I mean, this goes for way back. For their gun problem? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Indiana's fault that, that the Chicago can't uh, control the, the gangs in Chicago that are all murdering each other on a constant basis. Um, and it, But this goes way back. You remember Obama had a town hall on gun violence, yep. and, and he quoted a completely fictitious uh, made-up statistic that 40% of guns recovered at Chicago crime scenes come from Indiana. Well, first of all, no. The number was 18%. Given the fact that handguns were completely illegal in Chicago until 2010, that's not real surprising. Um, That that somebody would travel a few miles to Gary or Hammond or someplace in in northwest Indiana to to buy a gun. But the the real issue that they're always looking at is people coming to Indiana, buying guns at gun shows or at gun stores, and then taking them back to, to Chicago. Chicago to 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 sell to gangs or other criminals, and they blame that on Indiana's so-called lax gun laws. But the bottom line is that's already illegal. If you come to Indiana and buy a gun, and you're and you're a citizen of another state, that's illegal. If you're buying a handgun, um, it's also illegal to buy a gun and transport it across state lines so as to sell it. It's also illegal to be making a living if these people are buying you know guns after you know gun after gun after gun to make a living, to make a buck essentially to go back and sell them in Chicago. That's illegal. If you're doing it without a federal firearms license. So they're, they're doing a whole bunch of things that are already illegal under state and federal law, but specifically including Indiana law. So you can't blame it on lax laws in Indiana. You can blame it on lax federal law enforcement, maybe. But, but Hammer sent me a, a story specifically targeting one 
Northwest Indiana gun store. And this was a hit piece uh, by a newspaper up there where they were looking at this gun store and said, well, a whole bunch of, of, of guns recovered at Chicago crime scenes come from, from this particular gun store. And it's their fault because they're just not enforcing the law as they should. And I had to chuckle over that article. It's a long article, but it's it, it's really interesting because they they, they went uh, into into a whole bunch of detail about how this this the store wasn't doing its job in enforcing the law when it's actually the federal government that does the background check on an individual when they go into a gun store to buy a gun. <laughs> and they always and you mentioned this earlier throw out these ridiculous numbers about how many illegal guns make their way yeah. into Chicago, but it's Chicago criminals that are doing it. Like why can't Governor Holcomb come? out and go, oh, yeah, well, the problem we have in Indiana is the majority of criminals are coming from Illinois. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, you put same, it like that. The same logic applies. But, you know, going back to where the guns come from, the number one source for guns recovered at Chicago crime scenes is Illinois. And beyond that, now, a lot of guns come in from, from other states, including Indiana, but the number one source is still Illinois, so they need to point the finger at themselves before they point the finger at anyone else. But in the meantime, no one can say the Chicago's or, or Illinois in general has done any kind of a decent job on keeping the the, the the gun the 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 gang violence is what I meant to say under control in Chicago and they would turn around and, and just have a scapegoat for that and I'm a little tired of it being Indiana you know it's crazy how gangs are still a thing you know here we are 2023 almost 2024 when I was growing up Again, I went through school in the 80s, graduated high school in 1996. This was the era of like gang-like movies, Boys in the Hood yeah, and yeah. all those types of things going up. And it felt like there was a concerned effort to slow down gang violence in America. But now it's not necessarily drive-by shootings, bloods and crips. It's more drug-related than anything it's else. It's definitely drug-related. But, you know, it's not surprising, including right here in Indianapolis, because you look at some statistics. We have the the largest dropout percentage in terms of school ever. We have the the fewest number of two-parent homes and, and the highest percentage of kids growing up in, in single-parent or no-parent yeah. homes. And we also have the, the, the smallest percentage of Americans who identify with any organized religion. So where are people learning and their, their, their morals, their principles, their, their concepts of right and wrong, it's on the street, man. And, and a lot of times when they go to the street for, for those lessons, they're getting them from, the, from fellow kids on the street, which invariably turn out to be gang members. And, Nige, this is kind of what we talked about when we did the Radiothon over the weekend, the lack of a dad, the yeah. lack of a oh, positive man. male role model in a lot of these hotspot communities. If you don't get to some of these kids early and show them, hey, there's a place you can go, you don't have to join these gangs and do this ridiculous nonsense, if you don't get them early, you're going to lose them. Well, that's what the, the whole function of the Indiana 10 point, the Indy 10 point coalition with Reverend Charles Harrison and the OGs that patrol those hotspot streets. That's the whole idea, but they can't do it all. Right. That's, that's always been my thing. Like they can't do, they can't do it all. They have success in the spots that they patrol and those guys that used to be gangsters and now rolling with him and Charles Harrison and talking to the youth. And they say the biggest thing is they have no regard for human life. What Whatsoever, they don't. They're not scared of dying. They're not scared of going to jail, and they're not scared of taking a life. Yeah, and they're not. And not scared of going to hell. You know, I mean, that really goes back yeah. to the principles that I that I talked about. But, you know, a lot of people out on social media talking about toxic masculinity, right? We hear that all the time. Oh, it's toxic masculinity. You know what we have in this country? We have toxic lack. 
of, right. of masculinity. Lack we have of a, talking. We have, toxic. An, a toxic, we have a toxic lack of, of strong male role models because it would make a tremendous difference in, in the youth of this country, which would make a tremendous difference on levels of crime in this country. It's Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford, the gun guy, joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Man, the Israelis are buying up guns in droves. They are signing up for all the paperwork they need to arm themselves. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. No, it, it, it's amazing, but but it's also sad in a way because until the the Hamas invasion here a few weeks ago, um, it, got, private gun rights in Israel were were incredibly uh, restricted, yeah. and yeah, and, and, and you know, it's it, it, in a country where everyone has to do military service, right? You basically you get out of high school and you go do a couple of years in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. So people are trained on firearms uh, in in the in in the military, yet private gun ownership almost didn't exist. Well, all of a sudden they had a big aha when you had Hamas terrorists kicking in people's doors, and they had no means of defending themselves. And then all of a sudden we have these horrific videos. Of people being drug out into the streets and people being kidnapped and people beheaded and raped and all the horrific things that Hamas did. And, and, and the Israeli government kind of got an epiphany and said, hmm, maybe it'd be a good idea if these people had the capacity to defend themselves. And, and the only good news coming yeah. out of this, and it's hard to find, um, but it, the fact that the Israeli government has decided, oh, no, private gunnership needs to be a thing, and they are issuing licenses, quote unquote, to be able to have a gun in private individuals at, 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 at an absolute, absolute breakneck pace, as you mentioned. At one point, it was something like 90000 a day. You know, you and I traded an article on that, Jason, and it, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Um, but but it's also sad that that, that came uh, at a time when uh, having the you know, private uh, guns in, in private homes would have been tremendously helpful as, you know, some bad guy with an AK-47 is kicking your door in. Well, speaking of AK-47, same thing in Ukraine. It's the yeah. liberal progressives that want to give a blank check to Ukraine and are against anything to way. These are the same people that are cheering on the Ukrainians because we're arming them. Like we're, oh, yeah. you talk about, I mean, we're giving them guns. We're not giving the Israelis any guns, or maybe they're buying them guns from us. But hand over fist, AK-47s to civilians in Ukraine. And it's we, like we are. <laughs> that's that's the example. It's like that's that's why you need to arm yourself. But you know what I thought about? You know, when when I saw some of those numbers and I realized exactly what was going on here, I, I forgive me, but I went right back to the wording of the. Second Amendment. Yes. It goes back to how incredibly brilliant our founders were uh, all those years ago, where they talked about uh, a, a well-regulated militia. That that means a, a private citizenry. That's all it means. Private citizenry. Well-regulated means capable and trained and equipped, necessary to the security of a free state. Security of a free state. Do, do those words ring true when you look at Hamas terrorists kicking in unarmed civilians' doors and, 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 and doing with them as, as they would? Um, with free reign because the, the citizenry wasn't armed. Necessary to the security of a free state, the, the, the necessity couldn't have been more better uh, proven than uh, what we saw in Israel. One more thing here with Guy Relford. Guy, I read that the uh, Second Circuit Court issued a ruling on several Second Amendment cases, oh, yeah. but the one that caught my attention was when the court ruled that um, New York schools cannot prohibit congregants from carrying firearms in places of worship and discriminate on the basis of religion. So this kind of goes into the 
parochial schools and the Second Amendment, something you know uh, very well from working on it here in Indiana. No, that's right. In 2019, I worked really hard. Well, I mean, it started well before 2019, but 2019, we finally got it done, which in Indiana, we amended the statute that, that, that prohibited guns on school property, but it included any property that was co-owned with a school. And so how many parochial uh, churches are and, and, and Catholic schools are on the same property? I mean, right. all of them, right? Right. And, and how many other churches have a licensed daycare on the same property or have a school somewhere in the same building or on the same property? So uh, a lot of folks um, were prohibited from carrying because it was considered school property. We fixed that in 2019, where now you can attend a worship service or a religious ceremony in a house of worship, even though legally it's considered school property. That was a big win in 2019. And let me tell you, I mean, not only do I carry when I go to church, I carry an extra magazine when I go to church. And and that's only because churches are targets. And we know it. We've seen it all over the country. How, how many mass shootings have we seen in churches? Right. Because people will murder you simply, simply because uh, of the way you worship. And they know where to find you on the days that you meet to worship. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I carry an extra magazine. Anyway, I'm carrying an extra extra magazine when I go to church because that that is a very likely place for a mass shooting and it's not paranoia to simply be prepared because we know churches are targets and I'm glad we fixed that here in Indiana. I've had a lot of people ask me this if somebody wants to uh, get training from you or maybe get a copy of your book you know holidays are coming up is there anything they can do? Oh, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, the website for training is tactical-firearms.com. In terms of firearms training, I'm only doing private training. So if you've got uh, an individual or a couple or a family, no bigger than uh, three, for instance, family members, uh, we'll do that on a private basis, just you. It's not a big class. Uh, but, yeah, my book, um, I'm almost sold out, but it's tactical-firearms.com. Uh, Click on gun safety and cleaning for dummies. It's a great stocking, stocking stuffer. It's only 68 pages, so it's quick read. So, no, I appreciate the plug. and. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to sell those this year till they're sold out. Guy, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Did you see that Joe Biden skipped the Army-Navy game this past weekend? No. Oh, n- no, but I did see the the opening of that game. Like the, like the three-minute presentation, that was incredible. And the flyover was incredible, too. I love the Army-Navy game, yeah. but... Uh, I love those boys. Pretty much all the presidents have gone to this, right? Trump went three times, Obama went once, W went three times, Clinton went, Ford went, JFK, Coolidge, Wilson, Truman, Roosevelt, well, they look, all went. Biden would get booed. That's why he doesn't go to these things. Let's go, Brandon! But I was told 82 million people voted for that guy, and they love him, right? There would be an F. Joe Biden chant (laughs) at the Army-Navy game. Sorry. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. This is pretty cool. Tucker Carlson. I think he's been gone from Fox News now since around April. He's launched an online TV network, a subscription streaming service, Hammer. TCN, the Tucker Carlson Network. Subscribers can pay $9 a month, or there's a discount if you want to buy an annual pass right away. goes down to $72 annually. Uh, Interviews, documentaries, a lot of... Behind-the-scenes stuff. Right, right. He put out a uh, tweet earlier today talking a little bit about why he's doing this. They told you the guys torching Wendy's in 2020 were mostly peaceful. They said that masks worked. They told you the vax was safe. 
they've tried to convince you that Russia blew up its own pipeline. The corporate media lied too much, and it killed them. Then it goes on to show some highlights yeah. of what a show may or may not be. So uh, I get, uh, so I sent the link. So, so it's up and running right now, TuckerCarlson.com, TC. So, I, so my, Lindsay's been bugging me. My wife's been bugging me for Christmas gift ideas. And Christmas, it's more, it's more about the kids, you right. know, obviously. Sure. And about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, obviously. But, but Lindsay's been bugging. So we don't usually spend a lot of money on each other for gifts. She's, maybe one or two items. Um, she goes, what do you want? So I sent her the link i go he's here he's got his own you know sign up network and that's that's all i thought i was going to hear until christmas i thought it was going to be you know some you know they'd send some envelope or something like that right (laughs) unfortunately she used my own email address (laughs) and i just got your receipt from tucker carlson network oh confirm your email for tuckercarlson.com so you got it i've got it i'm on it right now yeah uh so yeah merry christmas to me That'll, that's my present. Won't be under the tree this year. Did you let your wife know that you've already yeah. received? Well, I had to, I had to call her and ask for the password because <laughs> she didn't. She, my, my my private email and my password. I didn't know what the password is. And she goes, "How did you know? You know, you know." She she was yelling at me. You weren't right. supposed to find that out. And I go, "Well, you used my email." So at least it wasn't an engagement ring, right? <laughs> like you did you did with Crystal. They left the a they, voicemail. They left a voicemail. Hey, your engagement ring's ready. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what is you're watching it? Like, what's the network look it's, like? It's it's pretty sleek. I mean, it's got every one of his interviews he's ever done. He's got a brand new interview with uh, Kid Rock. He's got you know the, the the Ask Tucker section. They've got after the interview. They've got behind the scenes stuff. They've got all the interviews and stuff he's ever done. And so there, it looks like they're going to be cranking out quite a bit of content. See, I I'm like you. I like the commentary. The interviews are okay. But I like Tucker spitting fire. Yeah. That's what I would yep. sign up for. Yep. Now, the other thing that crossed my mind when I heard that Tucker was launching this network today was that's not going to be a guy that's interested in being the vice president of the United States if he's launching no, and rolling right. out a new network. Right. right? Did, didn't, what audio did we play of him? Somebody asking him that. Maybe it was Roseanne on her podcast that asked him if he would be VP. He goes, eh, I don't know. He didn't deny that he wouldn't. And Melania if, did an interview, I think, with like the New York Post or somebody that said oh, that's that right. was her number one choice yeah. for her husband, yeah, Tucker running, Carlson. So a guy running on his own network, I mean, probably is not going to be VP, right? If if you're considering that, you don't roll this out yeah, right now. No. Right? Not at all. Uh, just when you thought everybody was done with primary debates, CNN has said, hold my beer. We're going to do two more Republican primary debates in 2024. No! <laughs> no! Either you're about to get ran over in an Austin Powers movie by a steamroller, or or you just found out there's going to be more debates. So the RNC, they are no longer a part of this. Ronna McDaniel and the RNC, they have wiped their hands clean. This is nothing of theirs. This is all CNN. And CNN has set the uh, policies for these debates. Qualifications, right? Right. To qualify for the Iowa and the New Hampshire debates, there's going to be two of them, candidates must receive at least 10% in three separate national and or polls that feature Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh-huh. 10%? Right. 
and these got to be uh, these are CNN approved polls. Correct. So this so the whole idea is shrinking the field, getting rid of Vivek and Chris Christie. DeSantis against Haley. Chris Christie, yeah, Chris Christie is not going to get ten uh, percent. No, the, you know. Now I will be sad not to see Vivek Ramaswamy oh, yeah. at a debate because while he doesn't have a chance to win, he makes those things worth watching because he just gets on everybody's nerves. He gets under everybody's skin. And he's very polished, right? He's he's a great orator, no doubt. So. Not to be uh, done over by the debates saying, basically, you're done here, Vivek. He took part in a Twitter Spaces conversation over the weekend. Is that is that where they go? They have a big... How would you describe the Spaces conversation? So it's kind of like a big conference call, basically. Yes, conference call. Yeah, on and Twitter, on X. certain people you know, have access to a microphone. Yep. It's like a conference call meets a Zoom call. That's a Twitter space. Elon Musk hosted this, and it was supposed to be about Alex Jones and him coming back to social media, why... Elon decided to do it. Alex Jones was a part of it. He was sounding very apologetic, if you will, talking about why he's happy to be back. There's a bunch of people that were a part of this. But at one point, Vivek Ramaswamy, who still had his microphone turned on, clearly it was on his phone, you can hear him go to the bathroom and take a leak. (laughs) Shut up. Now, over 100,000 people heard (laughs) Vivek's stream here. Take a listen. So our children basically give up on the future and decide not to have children. That's all I'm saying. Elon Musk is promoting an optimistic (laughs) pro-human future that the science and evidence shows is real and that we need. Gentlemen, I have to yeah, go. Yeah, I, I just, I just oh, want to be sort of, uh, yeah, exactly. I want to be clear about my position. I'm, I'm super pro-human, and I mean all humans. Uh, you know, humans in America, humans in Somebody's Africa, got their thing open. Never Somebody got their phone open in the bathroom. Yeah, that's uh, Vivek. Vivek, that's, that's your phone, Vivek. I'm not able to mute you. <laughs> Vivek. Um, Sorry about that. So, um, <laughs> well, I hope you feel better. I feel great. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. That was a long pee. It was. It was a good pee. <laughs> I mean, that's a total Frank Drebin from yeah. the Naked Gun moment, isn't yes. it? The Queen's American Goodwill Tour is completed. And we can all take pride that the Queen has chosen our sixth Totally. I mean, still one of the funniest scenes ever in a movie. Oh, man. I I watched that, you know, years later after seeing Naked Gun and I was like, can I still laugh hard at that? That's one of the funniest moments in the movie right there. Whoops. Uh, If you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, you know, it's Monday. We're getting back into the grind of things. If you're looking for a reason to slam back some of Grandpa's old cough medicine tonight, how about this? 38 years ago on this date in 1985, 
the Super Bowl shuffle from the Chicago Bears was released. This was really? like the team video that the Chicago yeah. Bears did. Here's a little bit from when uh, the fridge was doing his part. You're looking at the fridge. I'm the Richie. I may be lost, but I'm no dumb cookie. You see me hit. You see me run. When I kick it past, we'll have more fun. I can dance. You will see the others. They all learn from me. I didn't come here looking for trouble. I just came to do Super Bowl show. And they released that middle, you know, of the season. It was a monster. Everybody, you know, was fascinated by the 85 Bears. It went viral before we knew what going viral was. A couple of years ago, this is back when Stan Lear was still our news anchor in the afternoon. Uh, I miss Stan. He's retired. He's living the sweet life. But he's a Chicago Bears super fan. Like, he's one of the guys, like you would see on Saturday Night Live, Ditka slamming his chest, right? (laughs) We had a contest saying whoever could donate the most money that was a Chicago Bears fan, Stan Lear would customize his own line in the Super Bowl shuffle. Well, some Bears fan made a huge donation to the Salvation Army, and to his credit, oh, right. Stan Lear came up with his own line to the Super Bowl Shuffle. I'm the funky news guy known as the man. I hate the Packers, and my name is Stan. The Salvation <laughs> Army is my other team. Got 34 buddies making good the dream. Radio Thon gonna rule this town. Peace on Earth. Everybody bear down. <laughs> Stan Lear. The great. A um, couple years ago during the Super Bowl shuffle. Miss that guy. Amber and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Amber, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You break down all the information and you give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? Crazy, crazy Buffalo Bills-Kansas City Chiefs game yesterday. Wild finish. And after Travis Kelsey made a big catch in the game. Chiefs tied in, right? Chiefs yep. tied in. Love interest of Taylor Swift. Uh, Tony Romo, who was broadcasting the game, made a little slip about the actual relationship Kelsey has with Taylor Swift. Oh, what a play to Kelsey! As you see, Kelsey's wife, Taylor Swift, in the audience. Or, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not yet. What? You don't know something we don't know, do you? <laughs> he should absolutely make her his wife as soon as he can. What's he waiting for? Put a big, giant, multi-million dollar ring on that finger. So that was kind of awkward, but not nearly not but right, Chiefs lost the Bills 20 to 17. That inning sucked. I mean, I, that, I mean for the Chiefs, right? That penalty that was called hammer? Right. I mean, that, so I was at the airport. I was doing my yeah. connection layover and I'm trying to walk over to my gate and I look up at the screens and I see Patrick Mahomes flipping out. Yeah. Like I didn't see the play. I just saw the reaction. So I texted you and Rob and I'm like, "What's Mahomes so upset about?" Yeah, it was an incredible play. Where where um, um, Mahomes passed it to Kelsey, and then Kelsey turned around and, and lateraled 
the ball back to another player, and that that player ran for a touchdown. With like a minute left in the game. Yeah, with a minute left in the game. I think it was was it tied? I think it was tied up. Chiefs were down three or four. Yeah, yeah, it would have yeah. won the game. It would have won the game. And, but there was a guy standing off sides, basically. A guy on the offense. His last name's Troy. Right. Or Tony. Was it Tony or Troy? I think so, Tony. Um, he was just a little, little over the line. Tiny, it, was, it was a BS call. It's, it was actually embarrassing. But... That that you know that kind of Freudian slip where oh there's Tra- Travis Kelsey's wife Taylor Swift oh I meant girlfriend not nearly as awkward as Tony Romo all horned up after seeing <laughs> remember this after seeing Dolly Parton's halftime performance a few weeks ago she was wearing the Cowboys cheerleading outfit yeah. you saw that coming didn't I, you you I, said I think she's gonna go with a little cheerleading outfit tonight and I was like wow it's pretty good. What do you think we're going to see? I mean, she looks half. amazing, right? You, know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen wonderful. here. <laughs> Who doesn't like Dolly Parton? No, she's absolutely an American <laughs> treasure. That's for sure. And you- Jim Nance would have no part of what Tony Romo. She's hot, isn't she, Jim? Like elbowing him. He would have zero part of that. Like Tony Romo at that Thanksgiving game talking about Dolly. We were just a, another couple seconds away from him being like Tweeter in the movie Varsity Blues, where they sneak into the strip club and he's talking to the stripper. I have had relations with older women. <laughs> Scott Kahn's character. Yeah. I think that's where Tony Romo was going there. Speaking of the Cowboys, do you remember when Troy Aikman started a country band in 93, <laughs> back in 93 with other teammates called the, I think they call it the Superboys? Oh, God. They came out with an album called Everybody Wants to Be a Cowboy, where each one of the players would take lead vocals. Here's Troy Aikman, who's also uh, an NFL broadcaster. He does games with a buck, right? On Fox. On on Fox. Here is Troy Aikman in 93 performing Oklahoma Nights. Let's see how, how long you can take this. Even back in 93, you were able to doctor your, your singing voice a little bit. Right. I don't know what auto-tune was called in 93, but there was a lot of it there. But I'm not going to lie. I've heard worse athlete right. you know, songs. Yeah. Is this anything? A police officer in England <laughs> took a guy's bike to chase down a drug dealer near a park. He rode up and jumped off the bike to tackle a guy, like in the movies. Cool. He eventually returned it to the man that he took it from. Here's all the audio from his police uh, chest camera. There he is. Hey, borrow your bike. Let me borrow your bike. Thank you. A bear, a bear. I'm on a bike. I'm in pursuit. That's awesome. I've always wanted to commandeer something. <laughs> I've always wanted to do, and similarly, I want to do a citizen's arrest one day before I die. Just so you can yell yeah. it out like Gomer. Citizen's arrest! Citizen's arrest! <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. 
The Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, the Colts embarrassed themselves yesterday. They embarrassed their fans in Cincinnati. 34-14 to 14 route. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there with a special guest to break it all down for us. Kevin Bowen is with 107.5 The Fan. He's part of the morning show, The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. So, KB, the Colts were rolling. Everybody was believing in Minshew magic. Some of the wins weren't pretty, but they found a way to get the W. Yesterday, it felt like all of that came crashing back to earth. Oh, it did. One offensive touchdown and just a bad, bad offensive performance. What did you see? Yeah, I thought it was the worst performance of the season, guys. I really don't think there's much argument at all. Um, really, because every phase, uh, major culprit, I mean, you could point to well, start the offense and the inability to establish any run game. And I, I just thought the O-line, which is what you're you know, supposedly built upon, you know, really struggled. This is a Bengals defense that was, I think, second to last in the league in run defense and pass defense entering the game. Uh, your own defense, um, no pass rush whatsoever against the backup quarterback, Jake Brown. He has the highest quarterback rating of anybody in week 14. Uh, just an inability to recognize the screen game, stop the screen game, all of that. Um, and then, you know, lastly, uh, you, you got to point to special teams. And Matt Gay has been you know, arguably your best, uh, most reliable player all season long. He misses two kicks inside of 40. He had a huge penalty that extended a drive on a field goal. And then to kind of put the cherry on top, uh, you fumble a, a a punt late when, you know, one of Isaiah McKenzie's teammates runs into him. So uh, everybody at fault, Shane Sykin on down, and now your playoff margin has shrunk considerably, and I cannot stress how important Saturday against Pittsburgh is for this team. Okay, so I'm going to probably – freak people out just a little bit. I'm going to be the positive one here because I know it was a rough weekend for Colts and Pacer fans alike, and we'll talk Pacers in just a moment, but if the Colts can take care of Pittsburgh in Indy on Saturday, which, let's be honest, it might sound like a Steelers home game in there, but (laughs) Colts are here against the Steelers on a short week. If they can win that, I'm looking at the teams ahead of them, KB. It's kind of a round robin. They're going to beat the crap out of each other. Somebody's got to lose. Colts are still very much in this thing. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, we'd be on the radio on December 11th talking about holding your own destiny for a playoff run. I think we'd all take that. Certainly, yeah. I, I think that's a fair point to make. At first, I was a little nervous there. You spending it positively. I was wondering what <laughs> you got into this weekend. I'm still um, drunk from Vegas, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is an element of, like, just look at Houston and Pittsburgh specifically. Pittsburgh has lost back-to-back games against, you know, 10 lost teams in New England and Arizona. Uh, Houston yesterday loses to the Jets. They also lost to Carolina earlier in the year. So, I do think the Colts, you know, in that four-game win streak, um, you know, there's an element of just because bad teams are in front of you doesn't mean that other teams take care of those bad teams in the NFL. So certainly they are in a position that, you know, I thought seven wins at the start of the year. Well, four weeks ago, they already got seven wins. And I probably was on the high end, honestly, of, of, of what a lot of people thought. So, yes, there is certainly that. I think the disappointment yesterday is, you know, Cincinnati was coming off a short week. It was a backup quarterback. And, again, to get outclassed in every single facet, you know, some of those are not you know, directly related to a loss of Anthony Richardson or not having Johnson Taylor. And obviously Cincinnati doesn't have Joe, Joe Burrow. Um, but, you know, everything is right in front of them and they're going to continue to have a very manageable schedule down the stretch. And really, if they win Sunday, they'd really have to kind of fall on their face. I think the rest of the way, not to make the playoffs. 
Kevin Bowen, 107.5, the fan here on the Hammer and Nigel Show, talking about that embarrassing Colts loss to Cincinnati. I saw you on the pregame show on Wish, doing a great job. What's it like for you as a guy to have to go and interact with the, the players who just got their butts beat, uh, just got absolutely embarrassed? I mean, I, I'm assuming it's a pretty easy gig going in the locker room after the game and asking questions after a win. But after a loss like that, it's got to be pretty tough for you as uh, somebody that is covering the Colts to ask questions. What's that like for you? Yeah, it, it certainly is a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I, I, I do think for the most part, and I don't, I can't speak for all you know, 31 other teams, but I, I, I do think the Colts have a lot of guys in that locker room that they understand there is kind of just a level of professionalism that they got to answer the questions. And, you know, some of the guys that I mentioned earlier, you know, Matt Gaze, Air Franklin, Bernard Ryman, DeVorce Buckner, I mean, some of the guys that did speak yesterday or even today, I think all of them have kind of, you know, certainly taken the high road of, you know, we just, we got outplayed uh, individually, uh, team-wise, unit-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there was not blaming of the officials, even if there were kind of a few questionable calls yesterday during that game. So I do think there was the right approach post-game of um, this was on us, you know, to get out score 20 nothing in the second half, you know, lose by three scores. I mean, honestly, if you want to boil down the 60 minutes of football yesterday, the Colts really were the better team for about two or three minutes. That was it. I mean, there was that little stretch there late in the first half, yeah. and then they just got, you know, thoroughly outplayed the rest of the way. So I think guys, you know, have handled it the right way, and now we'll see how they respond on a short week and what's going to be such a big one on Saturday. So, KB, let's shift to the Pacers. Pacers lost to the Lakers in the in-season tournament championship out in Vegas. Man, I went out there. I had a great time, and i got to be honest with you. The thing that I love that this in-season tournament has done for the Indiana Pacers, it's reinvigorated a fan base. Because when I went out there, I thought it would be – 90 to 10, you know, Lakers fans to Pacers fans ratio. I mean, it was still a Lakers home game. I would say it was probably 70 to 30, 70% Laker fans, 30% Pacer fans. But the Pacer fans there were loud, you know, were high-fiving each other. Everybody's yelling, boom, baby. There's no such thing as a bandwagon Pacers fan. So these guys were all legit. And even though they lost, I thought this whole in-season tournament thing was really good for the Pacers. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. I, I think just a roaring success. Much needed, frankly, for the franchise. Much needed for this current rebuild as well. Um, you know, it's kind of jarring to even say it, but, you know, when you think about it, Hammer, it's been nine years since this franchise has won a playoff series. Mm. Um, it's been six years since they've won a playoff game, you know, period. And the last few times they are in the playoffs, they were swept. They've lost nine straight playoff games. So, you know, w- w- when you consider the history of, of the Pacers. I mean, we're not used to that. No one is, whether you're, you know, whatever, a little bit younger than me, a little bit older than me. I mean, like nobody is used to that for this franchise. And I think you've reached a point in this rebuild to where you've got a good chunk of the core in place. There can still be some tweaks and they still have some room to make substantial changes if they want to, but there are a lot of pieces that you obviously hope to grow with. Well, now it's time to experience moments like, you know, you had in Vegas or what last Monday was inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse of, Playoff intensity, playing high-level teams, the one-and-done feel to it of you win or you go home, and how you react to that. And, you know, for the most part, the Pacers reacted really, really darn well uh, to it throughout this tournament. You know, I kind of compared it to an NCAA tournament field. Like, you know, the Pacers are kind of like the five or six seed that gets hot in the NCAA tournament and gets all the way to the championship game. 
that's that's kind of how I'm now looking at it. Now the question becomes, you know, can you bottle it up? Can you continue it through the rest of the season? And certainly, you know, hopefully get back into the playoffs come April and May. But uh, unquestionably, this is something that uh, the organization needed, the fan base needed. And I think they're going to feel the effects of this for a long, long time. Now, hopefully they don't blow that tonight by losing to an awful Detroit team that's <laughs> lost like 18 or 19 games in a row or something, because uh, this is a bad spot, honestly, for the Pacers. Uh, man, watching that game, though, it became reality that Pacers have nothing to offer inside. Anthony Davis just had his way with the Indiana Pacers. Um, None of the draft picks or young guys are able to muscle up a good, legit NBA big just yet. Do they need to make a move, Kevin? Yeah, I I think if you're going to live a little bit in kind of the short term, okay, what do you need to do to get better in April? I do think something in the kind of that four or five man range, more defensive minded, more rebounding minded. I mean, the Lakers just dominated the paint. The Lakers hit what, like one or two threes in the entire game? Right. That is, you know, astonishingly bad for an NBA team. And yet they just own the Pacers down low. I thought for how well Miles Turner played. Uh, against the Bucks, he was equally as bad on on Saturday. I didn't think Buddy Heald or um, uh, Bruce Brown from the other veteran starters helped you out, but that is an area. You know, I, I know Jalen Smith has been banged up, and his return, you know, should be somewhat soon. But still, I don't know if he, you know, you know hey, that's the guy moving forward to kind of help you out there. Uh, they, you know, let Daniel Tice go a couple weeks ago. Jarris Walker, the rookie, the top ten pick. Uh, still really not found any sort of consistent role with the NBA team just yet. So I do think if you are going to kind of look in the, okay, what do you need to help you out right now? That is key. I also think one benefit is there's not a lot of teams like the Lakers and the East. The East is a little bit more, yes, you have the Sixers, but the East is a little bit more perimeter oriented. Um, So does that play into the Pacers' favor? Probably. Uh, But still, I think if you're going to try and kind of round out your group for the here and now, uh, you got a couple draft picks, trade deadline in a couple months. That is something I think you could you could explore. Where can we get more coverage? Yeah, 107.5 The Fan. A lot of people ask me, okay, what are the playoff standings, tiebreakers? What's at stake on Saturday? Head to our website, 107.5 The Fan. Got an article up on that. And then the morning show every single morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. over on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Kevin Bowen, KB from 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, thanks so much. We'll talk again next Monday. You bet, guys. Have a good one. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I think this is hilarious. Good riddance. Democrat Sheila Jackson Lee, who was who's been served in Congress for like 30 years, she's 73 years old. Democrat, uh, she uh, it was running for mayor of Houston. It was a runoff election against another Democrat, uh, who happens to be the you know the longest serving member of the state of Texas. Whitmire, I believe, is his name. Uh, she just got trounced. She just got shellacked. And there was some and, big time support behind Sheila Jackson. Yeah, and that's Lee. what she concentrated all her campaign on. I'm endorsed by Hillary. Clinton, I'm endorsed by Nancy Pelosi. I'm endorsed by Hakeem Jeffries. When it's it's funny, read about this election. Whitmire, the guy's from Houston. He's got comes from humble beginnings. He's a Democrat, yeah, but he ran on a uh, huge crime. Uh, the huge crime in Houston right now is like fourth worst city in the in the states for crime, and and so he kind of ran his campaign on local politics and 
talking to local people, but Sheila Jackson Lee was, you know, well, I've been in Congress for 30 years, and I have Nancy Pelosi's endorsement. And she got trounced there in Houston. Which brings us to great moments in Sheila Jackson Lee history. <laughs> There's no such thing. Trust me. Oh, there is, my friend. What happened? Hold that thought. Remember the story we had where there was leaked audio of her just going scorched earth and being a big pain in the ass to her staff? <laughs> I want you to have a freaking brain. I want you to have read it. I want you to say Congresswoman was such and such days. That's what I want. That's the kind of staff that I want to have. So some stupid other motherfucker did it. And, and I don't have the information. Nobody sent me the information. I need to uh, ensure my um, schedule. And, uh, you know, if they boo-boo did it, staff did it, face did it. And nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay? Nothing. I gave it to you. Your job was to get it on the calendar, imprint it in your brain, or send me the information back saying, Congresswoman, I made sure that the Ovid Duncan Tell event that you gave me uh, for so-and-so date at 7 is on the fucking calendar. Not to, oh, Jerome has it. Okay? So when I called Jerome, he going to be sitting up there like a fat-ass, stupid idiot, <laughs> talking about uh, what the he doesn't know. Okay? Both of y'all are fucked up the fucking F. This is the worst shit that I could have ever had put together. Two god Great moments in I, Sheila Jackson Lee history. I, I, I don't know that that hurt her. I, I like. I kind of like her giving it to the. <laughs> I, I kind of like the no nonsense approach. Somebody didn't do something right, and so she called somebody a fat ass. <laughs> you guys better get your crap together, or you're gonna be out of a job. That's how. That's kind of. I, I kind of dig it. I mean, she's a Democrat, lifelong uh, horrible Democrat, uh, but. Uh, uh, just we know, used to say worse things to uh, Kyle yeah, on this show. Our old producer, <laughs> uh, producer Allison, who we would never say such horrible things about, hit me with some never. booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are gonna read booze news because it's really fun. You ever heard of the annual running of the Santa's pub crawls? What's that? This, that? People getting dressed up like Santa's, like all across the country in major cities, and do these giant pub crawls. It happened oh, over the weekend. Oh, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah. So all over the city, um, all over cities, all over America, there were no, you know, there may have been some uh, anti-Israel protests, but there are also a bunch of drunks dressed up in Santa, uh, dressed up in Santa gear, uh, going basically from pub to pub, getting hammered and wasted. Which one of those do you think has my attention? <laughs> the, of course, the Santas. <laughs> some dresses. Santa, some dresses elves, most get trashed, right? And right. here's our new Hammer and Nigel Records uh, song to, you know, tri- pay tribute to celebrate the, the holiday merriment. I got wasted dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> okay, all right. Walking around the pub crawl Friday night. I was drinking booze from the top shelf. I made out with a sexy elf. Okay. And then I lost my lunch and hurled in the middle of the street. Because I got blitz face dressed as Santa Claus. I flipped off a cop along the way. But he never got my name. 
Cause we all were dressed the same yeah. We were all dressed as Santa Claus that night oh, Merry Blitzface There Love it is, new from Hammer and Nigel Records Hammer and Nigel Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's Rolling on a Monday here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. And I think it's about time we check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. How many push ups you want to do here, pal? I'm not going nuts. Just so you know, I'm not going nuts. (laughs) So we all see the polls. We see all the information coming out. I've seen Charlemagne the God go on Comedy Central, hosting The Daily Show, begging for Joe Biden to step aside. The Biden campaign, they know they're in trouble. So they've reached out to a certain someone for help, Nige. According to NBC News, the Biden campaign has enlisted... Hillary Clinton <laughs> to help sell the Joe Biden re-election bid and oh, all Hillrod no. hosted a big fundraiser at her Georgetown home. Failed politician Hillary Clinton in terms of her presidential runs? Is that what you're talking about? The lady that lost to Donald Trump in 2016? Correct. So unlikable that you lost to Donald Trump? Voters looked at those two candidates and said, you know who's more likable here? (laughs) Donald Trump. Yes, that would be the same Hillary Clinton. Uh, Members of the Women's Leadership Forum, they all got together for this big, you know, pat each other on the back grab ass situation the other night at Pantsuit Patty's residence and they raised a million bucks for Joe. Wow. Impressive. Now, a couple weeks earlier, Hillrod published this op-ed in the Atlantic, which is this very left-leaning liberal rag that was forcefully making the case for Joe Biden's uh, approach on the war in Israel. And she's also... On tape, I think we played the audio of this, shutting down like hecklers, yelling at her when she does her speaking tour engagements about the way Joe Biden is handling things. So it sounds like she's been on the take from the Biden campaign for at least a couple of weeks now. Where's Obama? Well, I'm glad you bring that up because NBC News report states that he is scheduled to be more of a part of this campaign later down the road. Hmm. He's the closer, basically. Oh, I got you. He's Josh Hader warming up in the bullpen (laughs) right now, and when it comes time to go to the pen, you bring out the guy that's going to throw the heat. Yeah, I don't don't know if I'm I'm Joe Biden. I won't want Hillary Clinton's endorsement or help. I mean, look at it the other way around. Back when Stacey Abrams was running for governor of Georgia, she did not want anything to do with Joe Biden or his endorsement down there. In Georgia. Right. So it's kind of the same thing happening here. She's so unlikable, so unpopular that she lost to Donald Trump. I'm talking about Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, We are checking in with Joe Biden and something I've got in common with Joe. We were both out in Vegas over the weekend. I guess I just missed Joe Biden when I flew oh. in on Saturday. It's a shame. Uh, but he was there on the campus of UNLV. 
where they had a shooting the week prior, uh, talking about gun control. Now, I'm telling you that this speech was about gun control because when we play you the audio, you might not have any idea what in the hell this is about. No. All these mass murders, not not this weekend, but have been because people have picked up kids and grabbed stuff off of counters, off of their. Anyway, I don't want to get, I get angry. We need to ban assault weapons, high capacity magazines. <laughs> what the hell was what? that? What did I just listen to? What is it? What? Allison, I've given you the official transcript. Okay, this is the transcript provided by the White House. I love it when Allison does this. Can you please read what Joe Biden said at UNLV? And quote, all these mass murders, not the not this weekend, but have been because people have picked up kids have grabbed stuff off of counters off of uh, any, anyway. I don't I don't want to get it. I don't want to get angry, but we need an assault Banned weapons and high capacity <laughs> magazines. Like if oh, Joe well now Bi- I understand. <laughs> Very clear. End quote. Like if Joe Biden just went up there and said, if you're driving your trash can on the river and the wings fell off and you still have to eat the baseballs to have a Diet Coke, <laughs> like that might make more sense than whatever the hell he said at the campus of UNLV. So if you think we're being sensational, if you think we're being a little bit over the top, here is Allison going to read along with Joe Biden. All these, All these mass, mass murders, murders, not, not, the, not, not this, this weekend, weekend, but have, have been because people have picked up kids, up kids and grabbed stuff, stuff off, off of counters. Anyway, I don't want to get angry. We need to ban assault weapons high capacity magazines. Well done, Allison, ladies and gentlemen. One of my favorite segments of the show. I mean, that is just word salad. That's like playing Mad Libs. Kids, counters, murder. So we need to ban assault weapons because kids have grabbed stuff off counters. Correct. How about we ban kids that pick up assault weapons? Oh, that's Let's idea. flip the script on them. We don't need to ban assault weapons. One, you can't even describe it. Two, let's ban the kids that pick them up. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Uh, switching gears from Joe Biden over to Donald Trump. Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy went on CBS this past weekend and spoke rather highly of number 45. Will Donald Trump be the nominee? Yes. And the Republican Party? Yes. And if Biden stays as the nominee for the Democrats, I believe Donald Trump will win. I believe the Republicans will gain more seats in the House and the Republicans will win the Senate. Can he count on your support? Yes. That's an endorsement. I will support the president. I will support President Trump. Would you be willing to serve in a Trump cabinet? In the right position. Look, if, I, if oh. I'm the best person for the job, yes. Look, I've I worked with President Trump on a lot of policies. I, we work together to win the majority. But we also have a relationship where we're very honest with one another. Oh, boy. Well, look, this is not exactly what you'd call draining the swamp. No. If, if this... Getting in bed with McCarthy is not draining the swamp. A guy that deserted the House with an already tight majority, a slim majority of Republicans in the House, quitting his job because he was embarrassed he got ousted for not doing his job as House Speaker. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Trump, Trump hopefully has learned so a few lessons about who he lets in his inner circle if he's elected you in think? 2024. You think he's learned anything? I would hope after <laughs> I would hope after uh, Omarosa 
and uh, <laughs> the, the mooch. Or hey, I'm the mooch. Scaramoochie. I would hope he's learned his lesson. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who donated to the Salvation Army Radiothon that oh, we man. did this past Friday. Yeah. Um, you guys are rock stars. God bless you guys. Uh, $460,000. All that money, every penny Terrific. going to uh, the Salvation Army here in Indiana, helping Hoosiers in need. So, again, God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And if that doesn't put you in the Christmas spirit, how about some holiday memories from the First Lady of WIBC, the lovely Terry Stacy? Holiday Memories with Terry Stacy. One time, I got really drunk, and I made Christmas cookies at 4 a.m., and the rolling pin I used was a Pabst Blue Ribbon tall boy. And this has been <laughs> Holiday Memories with Terry Stacy. Nobody does the holidays like Terry Stacy does. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f- far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Do you know what a promposal is, Hammer? I do. It's it's like it's, an over-the-top, unique way for a, a junior or a senior in high school to, to, to invite their date to prom. Right. It's the bastard stepchild of these over-the-top uh, <laughs> gender reveal parties or proposals for yeah. weddings. All right. Bear with me here. Stick with me on this one. A high school in Arizona is being sued after a student in an SUV crashed into a motorcycle as part of a promposal. The student in the SUV was supposed to you know, be pulled over by the security officer. Officer, and then he's, he would ask the passenger to prom, right? So this lawsuit claims the security officer and the principal of the school all were in on this. Here is the injured student's sister and uh, the attorney talking about the accident and the lawsuit. After the accident, we could tell that he's become a little bit more withdrawn and closed off. It was not a good plan. The estimated speed of the car involved that was being driven by the student was over 40 miles an hour. He very easily could have died in this accident by just milliseconds difference in timing. Are you okay with this? No, I hate these things. I hate over-the-top proposals. I hate over-the-top gender reveal things. And keeping it rolling, I hate over-the-top promposals. Now, when I say over-the-top, I'm talking about this. If you go to the girl's house and you know you knock on the door and you've got a sign and flowers, will you go to the prom with me? Okay, fine. Didn't your son do that? We, he did his at a bowling alley. Yeah, okay, right, right, right. So he did his right. at a bowling alley, and he had it on the screen up top. Okay. You know. Yeah. But it didn't require vehicles going 40 <laughs> miles an hour. Nobody got hurt. Nobody almost got killed. I mean, how many of these stories do we hear, whether it's promposal, you know, gender reveal, or actual proposals? People die. Yeah, I mean the it's the gender reveal's been tragic where they have this this cannon with uh you know gunpowder in it and it's supposed to launch either the pink or the blue dust in the air but something goes wrong and it like kills the dad of the person that's having the baby like it's somebody it's, started it's, a yeah. forest fire that's doing a, yes, a gender reveal yes. once. Right, 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 right. And this one, I mean, you have students running stop signs, the principal and the security officer were all in 
in on it. And I've seen people do this before where, like, a cop, you get a cop to pull you over and, like, you know, ask you, ask you to step outside and then you turn around and propose to you. I've seen these before. They could go very, very wrong. I've seen Days of Thunder. I know what can happen when you think an officer is going to do something, <laughs> but you've hired someone else. Anybody that remembers Days of Thunder, you know if what I'm talking know, about. If you know, you know. All right. Are you okay with this? A great, oh, I got a great Christmas mashup for you here. You All like right. the mashups? I love it. ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. With Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree, AC, uh, I think they're calling this AC Brenda Lee. Okay with that mashup? I wasn't in the Christmas spirit before. <laughs> now I'm the holliest group of you know what's this side of the nut house. Yes, I am. Meredith Whitney, who is a um, this one of these supposed financial analysts and experts on CNBC. You're gonna love this one. This is right down your alley. She is implied that legalized sports betting could be to blame for young men not getting married, not dating, and not having sex. Check this out. 63% of young men are single, and that's the highest it's ever been. And 50% of those young men have no interest in dating, not even casually. And 30% of those men, or 30% of young men, say they have not had sex in over a year. And don't seem to care. So the point because they're getting pleasure out of sports betting instead. Sports bet. Well, it, sports betting now be, be, through technology is as easy as buying something, ordering a pizza online, or shopping online. And what you see is. Uh, young men who've grown up with gaming are used to doing everything on their phone, and now they can do all sorts of betting on their phone. So DraftKings says that th- that you know they doubled revenue every year, expected to double revenue over the next three years. So blaming sports betting for young men not getting married, not dating, not having sex. Are you okay with this? No, because this is just an excuse. Back in the day, we would just call these guys nerds. Nerds <laughs> could not get married, and nerds would not have sex. But now they blame it on. Apps on their phone. They blame it on sports betting. They blame it on video games. They're spending too much time at home. Listen, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I like sex. I like gambling on sports. Maybe I'm the unicorn here. I don't know. But you can walk and chew gum at the same time. That feels like an excuse to me. 
I will uh, make a confession on this show. In my 20s, I was dating a, a lovely lady. We were um, at my house. I was addicted to Grand Theft Auto at the time. Okay. I would have Grand Theft Auto on one screen and have the Pacers game on the other screen. I'd drag an actual cooler of beer up to the loft with me so I wouldn't have to go down, up and down and get beer. Smart. Uh, so she was there hanging out one night, and she's like, Hey, come on in the bedroom, you know? And so I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. Five minutes later, are you coming? Yeah, I'm, be- and I'm sitting there playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto. She finally just left. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a, are you so, sure she was attractive? Yeah, I'm, I'm very attractive, yes. Way out of my league. Way out of my league. But I just kept on putting it off because I was in the middle of a game. Well, so I, I would say, no, knowing how... <laughs> Naive, you can be from yeah. time to time. Like, did you know she was ready for relations? She's, yeah. I mean, she made it clear. Okay. I was in the middle of a game. And, and you I said, said no. Oh, no, I didn't say no. I said I'd be right there. Hold on. And but you never <laughs> went back in there, so that's a no. Well, I just the game was taking longer than I thought, but that's you know, <laughs> there might be a tiny bit of validity to uh, what okay. this say was saying. I stand corrected. Uh, according to, I love this. According to a new survey, nearly half of men think they can land a plane if they had to in an emergency. Are you okay with this? Yes, I yeah. am. And like my, a commercial jet, like an airliner. Right. So I started thinking about this, like because I was flying yesterday, went from Vegas to Dallas for a layover. Yes. Then Dallas to Indy, and the worst things always cross your mind when you're on a plane. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm thinking, man, what if we go down? What's going to happen? What when we hit turbulence? The worst things in the world go through my mind. But this study says that half of the men think they could land a plane in an emergency. I'm okay with this because there's this pilot named um, McKay Beeler, and she spoke to this uh, survey and said, with the right guidance of the air traffic controller and enough of confidence, you could probably bring the plane home. Now, you might crash it upon landing. You might bang the plane up a little bit, uh-huh. but you could probably bring it home if you can just find the microphone, the radio, and you listen to air traffic control. Yeah, I don't want to find out. I don't want to try. Okay? <laughs> but on the flip side of that, I see how bad people are driving cars. <laughs> so I do feel like maybe that number is a little inflated. If you can't, you know, drive a car right. properly without using a turn signal, I don't think you're bringing a Boeing <laughs> to a safe landing at the airport. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. She is one half of the Chicks on the Right program. They do a daily show. They've got an awesome website. And she's WIBC alumni. Mock joins us. How are you, Mock? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. And <laughs> better than those Ivy League presidents that are having to resign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things could be worse if you look at what's happening with these Ivy League presidents. You know, this is crazy because it doesn't feel like it should be a hot take to say anti-Semitism is bad. Like, why all of a sudden is that such a hot take for some of these elite Ivy League school presidents? It's amazing, right? So Liz McGill is gone. We're still waiting on the other two, Claudine Gay, and I don't even remember what the MIT lady's name is. Was McGill Penn or Harvard? 
Penn. Okay, and we're and, the, and Gay is Harvard. I think yeah. she's got. They're all got to be gone. I mean, I, I know the lady from Penn is is definitely yeah. out of there, but it's so funny because they you know they testified in front of this um, you know committee about uh, anti-Semitism on college campuses, and they were like, well, it depends on the context, you know. Right. <laughs> it was the old Bill Clinton depends on what like, your definition of is is. <laughs> exactly. This is not. This was not complicated, and Elise Stefanik gave all three of them ample opportunity to be clear about their stance and they just could not do it. Now if you would have if you would have put any other group in place of the Jews, oh, they would please. have had no problem. I mean if you yeah. would have asked, "Hey, is it is calling for the genocide of gay people wrong at Harvard?" I can assure you that Claudine Gay would have been very very quick to answer in the affirmative. But the, the, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to the Jews, these university leaders have shown just how anti-Semitic they are. And it's crazy because these were the first people that were finger-wagging you during every other crisis, right? When it was 2020, when it was the summer of love, white students, you need to sit down and listen. When it was COVID and COVID restrictions, heaven forbid you didn't have 17 different booster shots, they would (laughs) wag that finger at you and kick you off campus. But when it comes to doing horrific things against the Jews, they turn the blind eye. Yeah, and then they claim context is required. In no other, with no other group, would context ever be required. It was just an absolute clown show. And and the one that, the McGill chick who left, who finally resigned, she was the worst of them because of that smirk. Did you guys see oh, yeah. how often she just had that smug smirk on her face? It was insufferable. And very so Peter Strzok-like. Peter right? Strzok. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, very Strzok-like. But, unfortunately, as some of our, because we talked about this this morning on our podcast, and some of our audience members were saying she remains on staff and will yeah. as a tenured professor. So I don't know what loss, financially or otherwise, she's actually going to suffer. And that's really frustrating is that, you know, she's actually not going to leave the university. If that donor hadn't pulled his $100 million donation, do you think she'd still be president? No way. I mean, it requires <laughs> oh. the pressure of where the money comes from, yeah. right? And so they're talking. Money talks, and they talk loudly. I swear to God, though, these college campuses are the same, you know, to piggyback on something Hammer said, these college campuses are the same ones that would, you know, grounds for expulsion if you dead name somebody or don't use the right yeah. pronouns or, you yeah. know, have, you might create a microaggression for a minority <laughs> student or something like that. And then all of a sudden, this is just blown up in their face. Right. And these are, you know, the, the kids that are on these campuses that are, you know, that are screaming for genocide, essentially, and, and talking about from the river to the sea. These same kids are the ones that would be like, oh, my God, if Ben Shapiro shows up on our campus, we're all going to die. Like they get so triggered by just the appearance of someone who wants to say things that they disagree with in a polite and calm manner and they would have to run for a safe space and now they're literally marching on campus calling for the genocide of an entire people. It makes no sense. And again, Mock, I'm somebody that just wants a little consistency. 2020 yeah. was not that long ago. It feels like we're talking about something that happened 15, 20 years ago. We're talking about something <laughs> that happened three summers ago. Yeah. And I'm old enough to remember when companies had 
had to have special sessions with their employees? How do you have uncomfortable conversations? News networks had town halls. How do we heal as a nation and do all these things? Nobody seems to be carrying any water for all the anti-Semitic crap that's going on right now. And the Jews are like, hey, what the hell? Right. And so many of them, unfortunately, are, are it's like a real reckoning for them because so many of them were marching in lockstep with some of the some of the BLM protesters, for example, or with other minority groups. They were always there by their side, expecting that as an oppressed minority group, they would have the same support um, from from those groups that they were themselves supporting. And now they're finding out what reality is. And it's got to be really difficult for law time super liberal Jewish people who are like wait a minute where where'd everybody go I was I was there at the marches why aren't why aren't I getting the same support from these people that I stood next to when they were being oppressed or supposedly oppressed and where's and Justin like, Timberlake what? at where's Steve Carell yeah. at where's Kamala Harris at to maybe help out some of the victims of anti-semitic attacks the same way that they did with the summer of love when they were bailing out rioters Exactly. That's exactly right. Mock from the Chicks on the Right here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Pivot just a little bit to uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Alex Jones, back on yeah. X. Uh, where are we at with that? How do you feel? Well, I mean, I think it's probably the right decision. I, you know, I think Elon wants to be somebody who's looked at it as a believer in free speech. And I think his reaction initially to kick Alex Jones off was done out of emotion because he feel, you know, he had a still uh, a child die in his arms. And so he feels very, very strongly that what Alex said about all the Sandy Hook stuff was was super wrong. But they had a space, uh, a Twitter space or an X space, I guess I should say, um, over the weekend where, I mean, what a, a, a crazy group of people all in one space. It was Vivek, it was Alex Jones, it was Elon Musk, it was uh, it was Matt Gates. they were all, the and the Tate brothers, like they were all together. And I know Elon asked Alex Jones directly to explain himself, and I guess, you know, he did to his satisfaction. It was also a space in which Vivek went to the bathroom and kept his mic on, so everyone <laughs> heard him pee. He pulled yeah. a Frank Drebin? We played it on our show this morning, and it was it was absolutely hilarious because when they caught, it was Alex Jones who was speaking at the time, and you can hear Vivek's stream, and, and then all of a sudden Alex Jones is like, "Hey, somebody's mic is on in the bathroom," and then the the host stream. of the space, Mario, said, "Oh, that's Vivek," and Vivek totally played it off. It was great because he was like, "Sorry, guys," and Elon, I think it was Elon that said, "Well, I hope you feel better," and he was like, "Yeah, I feel great." So, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Mock is with us, one half of the Chicks on the Right program. Uh, Speaking of Vavek, the big debate was last week, and man, it started off like where everybody was going to gang up on Nikki Haley. But by the end of the night, you had Chris Christie and Vavek almost throwing down with each other. I'm just curious as to what you thought of the whole night. Well, um, it was a. 
there were some there were some fights, man. That was a, that was an entertaining debate for sure. I mean, you know, I'm slightly biased, but I thought DeSantis just absolutely ran away with it. I know people's mileage may vary on that, um, but it was interesting. You know, Chris Christie is still there, and I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. But but what's interesting too is that that was the RNC's last. Um, I guess, participation in any GOP primary debates. There's going to be two that are on CNN in January, but the RNC is not going to have anything to do with those. And that means, I think, unless I'm wrong about this, but I think that means that those same four will be back on the stage because there won't be the same you know, milestones to achieve in order to make the RNC's requirements because they're no longer involved. I think CNN, what I read, and I might be wrong about this, is the, the restrictions and requirements might be a little um, more strict as to narrow down really? the field to right. to Nikki Haley and DeSantis is, is what I glean. I but, hope but, that uh, that's true. Yeah. I hope that's well, true. Well, I, I still think Vivek should be up there because I love him. I love the guy. <laughs> I, I'm a we just guy. want the entertainment value. Right? Yeah, we want a true. loose cannon up there that's got nothing else to lose because let's be honest unless donald trump gets locked up and he can't run for whatever reason none of these people are going to win so if we're going to watch this thing i almost feel like the guys in the delta house at animal house if they're going to kick us out anyway we might as well have a good time we might as well be entertained by vivek well, he definitely provides the entertainment. I mean, he's the one that really, you know, riles everything up for sure. Everybody else, I think, would probably be fairly polite. Although Chris Christie tends to be, you know, he he tends to scrap he's as well. He's a dope. So. <laughs> <laughs> Waddles on stage. The the seminal moment in that debate was when Vivek told him to go have a nice dinner. <laughs> A, a nice, nice meal dinner, off the nice stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is happening uh, with the chicks on the right? Well, we are still, uh, you know, at it. We've got um, a couple more weeks of podcasts to do before we hit a two-week break, and we're off to Costa Rica Ooh. with some of our um, insiders and supporters that have decided to come along with us. So we're excited about that. That's fancy talk for drug dealers, isn't it, Mock? You're going to Costa Rica <laughs> with some insiders, and you're going to be selling Colombian Bam Bam. That's what's going to be happening. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> well, Mock, um, have a great uh, break if we don't speak to you between now and then, and we'll pick back up as soon as we can. Bet You bet. Have a great Christmas break, you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time When we used to kick back I love the moonshine, moonshine Mondays. The, uh, I mean, is this the final Moonshine Monday of the year, Hammer? We haven't done one in a couple of weeks. We ran out. Right. And we had a listener stop by the WIBC Radiothon that we were doing at Sullivan's this past Friday, which, again, thank everyone so much. That was incredible. For their donations. Yeah. Um, Another record-breaking year for uh, the Salvation Army. Yeah, you guys are awesome. God bless you guys. Uh, what was it, 460? 461? Right. 461K? And, man, that's going to make such a difference. It's huge. For uh, folks here in Indiana. So, thank you guys, really, from the bottom of our hearts. But uh, a listener came by and hooked us up with a little something for the holidays. And it's a special holiday edition of Moonshine Monday. Oh, boy. <laughs> Old Smoky Tennessee Moonshine Peppermint Moonshine. Okay, peppermint It's the flavor. holiday season. So, uh, we're talking candy cane, possibly. Fa- right. 
peppermint from Old Smoky down in God's Country, now, Gatlinburg, do, Tennessee. Do the people that gave us this, were they the ones that got the bottle of... Um, uh, Drew Storens? Yes, the Field of Dreams whiskey. They were the uh, winners of the silent auction, and they came up. Which, by the way, that silent auction took on a life of its own. Drew Storens, Field of Dreams whiskey. We put that, How much did it go for? It was a signed bottle. Right. Very rare. She ended up winning the auction with a bit of like $1,500, but she rounded it up to $2,000. you are kidding. And wrote that check to the Salvation Army. Unbelievable. So, And then she gave us this moonshine, this yes. uh, Christmas uh, moonshine here. So, cheers to all of you for uh, yeah, having cheers. fun with us on Moonshine Mondays and helping out the Salvation Army. Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> yes, sir. Wow. It's candy cane in a cup right there. Woo! I feel like Ric Flair right now. <laughs> Woo! Woo!